0: This episode of the Educated Ignorance Podcast is brought to you by the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network. Subscribe to the Four Frequency Sake Podcast Network on your favorite podcast platform for the newest episodes of the Data Lab with Professor John Bush and Dennis Mickelson, as well as new episodes every week of Card Subject to Change, our new wrestling podcast with CZ and Nick. And three times a week, releasing episodes on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays, the Educated Ignorance Podcast. On Mondays, you will get full breakdowns of the Sunday night football game, as well as a couple quick-hitting topics from some of the NFL action on Sunday, Tuesday will be a quick hitting reaction of the Monday night football game as well as a full slate review of the Sunday games, the biggest and broadest topics from the weekend of football as well as some college football stuff. And, of course, that Tuesday will be the Elite Eight episode each week for the NFL season where we reveal the top eight teams according to myself in the NFL. And then on Friday, we will be releasing each week a big kind of Preview for the weekend's games coming up, as well as the Sinister Six podcast every week with Mac Fulton. He will be joining us every week for the Sinister Six uh, joint venture of NFL games and college games throughout the year. Our best big, our best six picks of the weeks. So we will also have some betting stuff in there as well, against the spread, over/unders, things like that. So stay tuned for those. Three episodes a week of the Educated Ignorance Podcast here on the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network. So what do you guys want to talk about to start this? I have a pretty good idea. Monday night football was the best three hours of television I have watched in regards to the NFL product that I've been in, an uh, NFL product team that I have been invested in in quite some time. Um, some of y'all know we have been talking about losing naming rights on this show. For now, we their the first name is available to return. So the team that plays here in this state is now formally known as Chicago. They have earned that right after tonight. Okay, and we're going to talk about them and the Patriots. Um, this was single handedly the best game that this team has played since at least somewhere in the twenty eighteen. To first four or five weeks of 2019 period. Since so Mitch Trubisky got hurt week four of 2019 against the Vikings. He came back after missing a couple weeks against the Saints and looked abysmal. They had a couple nice games. They looked good in stretches against Dallas that year, I remember on a Thursday night. But when they were when they when things mattered. This is the best that they've looked since then, from a from start to finish. I've I have not been impressed with a team like this that this team in quite some time. Now I've been impressed with certain players and impressed with you know certain pinpoint things, but as a whole, from top to bottom, coaching staff, each unit, position group, pretty damn spotless tonight. In a situation on the road, a primetime game against a team that's really been playing well uh, in New England. So, I want to kind of break it down into a few different things. Let's first start with, obviously, the offense. And the biggest thing has been the development of Justin Fields. And where I had started to lose it a little bit over the course of this year is... The trajectory of his development. Last year, it's not completely a wash, but it's a lot of it you can just kind of throw out with the coaching, the schematics, the game plan, and, and all of those things. There were some flashes last year. There were a couple good moments. I thought last year against Minnesota, the first time they played, he had some moments, but it was just nothing around him that worked. I thought last year uh, the Steelers game was by far... His best game as a pro until tonight. We'll talk about tonight in a second. This year had been rough. He had a nice couple moments in the Niners game. But outside of that, it was a lot of the stuff we really, we were struggling. We were struggling to find the good things. And against the Packers, he did not look good. Against the Texans, he looked very bad. Against the Giants, there were some other things that he did that just looked atrocious. And then they played Minnesota. And the first half, it was about as bad as it can go. The defense gets shredded. They don't score until the end of the half. Fields throws this moon ball downfield, and Darnell Mooney makes this amazing catch, and the offense kind of starts to roll. And honestly, from the halftime of the Vikings game, you listen, the Thursday night game was a catastrophe, and I obviously came on here losing my shit about it. Um, But... There were a couple moments that that Justin played that were good. The problem was the comedy of errors that happened around them on that Thursday night game that really exposed the organization as a whole from top to bottom. Front office, GM, scouting, coaching, players, all of it. And I think this team actually – Looked in the mirror. They had basically this mini-buy. The Bears don't have a buy until week 14. They, are the, they're the, they have the latest buy in the year. So the fact that they could kind of get this mini-buy out of the way, the Thursday night game one week, then they're off for 10-plus days. They play Monday night this week. They had the chance to kind of reevaluate a lot of things, and that was the theme everyone was talking about. And listen, man, I was so pleased pessimistic coming into this game. I thought they were going to get crushed. I thought they had no chance. I was thinking that New England was playing well. Everyone on God's green earth was telling me how good the Patriots were lately. We'll get to that. Pin that. We're going to get to it. Uh, Because, oh boy, that double-take narrative, that that, that hypocrisy narrative is going to start flashing high because of who won tonight. Bet your sweet ass. Um, Listen, I was really worried that this game was going to be Gross, because what do we have? What have we seen on film? I know different coaches, but think of it. The Trestman era, the Fox era, the Nagy era. When they, like just last, the last regime, Nagy, those guys were fucking horrific off of a bye week. Off of a bye week, they were so terrible. So terrible. You think off this, maybe, who knows? This was a moment where the finally, for the first time, in four years, the organization as a whole took multiple steps forward without taking any backwards in a game. God damn, it was refreshing. Let's start, as we were talking about, with the offense and Justin Fields. We've mentioned the trajectory, though, that he's had. You know, since halftime in the Vikings game, he has played well. Tonight was his best game from start to finish. I thought, as a whole, probably as a pro. Um The play calling meshed with his decision-making, meshed with the plays he was making, meshed with the improvisation that he had, some of the throws that he made. Very, very good sign for Justin Fields. And listen, man, a lot of people, first off, a lot of people quiet tonight. That's for damn sure about that that guy. And I know I've been skeptical through this season, but I do know this. I'm going to be honest. My job is not to tell lies. What I am here, facts, as as, they, as the beautiful saying goes, facts do not care about your feelings. We are a truth show. And what has happened was, we're going to tell you that he was playing bad. He was not playing well and had struggled. But a lot of other people had been getting passes for some shitty play. Nobody was bitching last year when Trevor Lawrence was stinking the fucking joint up. Let me tell you that. How about Mac Jones to end last season and begin this one? A lot of people that were trying to drag fields through the mud weren't saying shit. I wonder why. Think about it. Fucking think about it. Anywho, I move on. Wanted to get that off my chest. There were a lot of steps forward today with him. And the coaching as a whole, it seems like this team, this coaching staff, really recognized how undermanned they are at certain spots. And how to maximize the stuff that Fields does well, the stuff that This offense can do well even with limited players. Look at the Giants. Look at the New York football Giants. Their offense is horrendous outside of Saquon, and they have two good tackles, and one of them got hurt on Sunday. Outside of that, it is a bunch of average to mediocre to just bad players on that offense. And they are 6-1, and one and, they con- and they continue to have a pulse on a weekly basis. Why? Because they are extremely well coached, they know who they are, and they schematically design things and just come at you. Tonight, the Bears schematically designed stuff to play to their strengths, and they fucking came at the Patriots for four quarters. And especially in the second half especially in the second half. And that's where we talk about the coaching staff. With Getzey and Eberflus and the guys on defense drawing stuff up, offensively for Getzey, he's been doing a really good job, I think, the last few weeks of doing stuff to try to get Fields going. Tonight, it all was perfect. The rolling, the pocket. Finally, it took a year and seven goddamn weeks, but we finally get a good dose. It wasn't a heavy. But a good dose of designed quarterback runs for Fields. Everybody that knows anything about anything had been calling. Put the ball in his hands and let him run. At worst, he's what? The fourth best running, like runner, as a quarterback in the league this right now? Lamar, Kyler. I mean, after that, who else would you take ahead of him as a runner? You could say Daniel Jones, but Fields has more moves and escapability you know and jones though i will say is a good runner with the ball he's a good runner as a quarterback fields is excellent with the ball in his hand design more runs and they did that tonight they scored on their first touchdown their ability to in the the end the first half by getting a score Obviously, Fields can break the play down and pick up – he picked up a long third down on their second touchdown drive, which was their third scoring drive. They had a third and they had like a second or third and or they had a third – they had a second in super long after a weird fumble where they picked up about 10 yards on him just running a quarterback draw. Which set up a third down pickup, and then they ended up kicking a field goal to end the half. Like his ability to run the ball, they picked up another, a couple third downs in the second half on quarterback design runs. Keep doing that, knowing the strengths. They're throwing quick stuff to the outside, the ability to allow him to move the ball, move the pocket, throw the ball with levels. What have we kind of talked about? The theme of what good offenses are doing. We talk about offenses like the Eagles, which is the, the main thing that they do that is so well is they always make you choose wrong. They always make you ro- be wrong on whatever decision you make. When you look at the Chiefs, what they did specifically well on Sunday, quick hitters, take a t- you know, use the opponent's strength against you, and then not only that, but use your speed and, and ability to make the other team defend the width of the field as well as north and south. And the Bears were able to do that tonight. Now, they didn't, make, they didn't take any super deep chunk plays, but they had some explosives in there of 20 or more in the passing game, and they did it by forcing the Patriots to not just defend north and south, but east and west, and that is super important. Now, other than that, when you're just looking at the second half, I mean, holy Moses. They, this game could have gotten away from them, but the composure they held, so it's ten nothing. Mac Jones gets benched. Zappy comes in, and they have two quick touchdown drives. Now, listen, I like Zappy, but let's be real; those two touchdown drives were aided by some pretty fucking gnarly catches. The touchdown that Myers got was just a bad throw from Zappy, and Myers made a fantastic play. Not only to dive and catch it, but then to get up off the ground before Eddie Jackson touched him and and get into the end zone. And then the next drive after a interception where Fields threw it, it went off the fucking head of Matthew Judon, of course, and they were set up at the 50. They got put in the red zone because Devontae Parker mossed Jalen Johnson, which was a nice grab. And that's what Devontae Parker does well. So, but outside of that, the Patriots' offense did nothing, absolutely nothing. And in the second half, after the Bears managed some, a drive to take the lead and add to it at, at the break, the Bears did a phenomenal job in the second half of sustaining drives, getting points in drives, and then finally, boom, Kill shot with the interception, uh, with an interception, and then scoring a touchdown. Uh, that last touchdown drive, by the way, to put the game away, just picture perfect. The, it's just crazy to say that this coaching staff went into New England when everyone was saying how good they were, and they took Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time, behind the woodshed and kicked their ass for 60 minutes and in that second half it looked like jv versus varsity when was the last time you saw that from a chicago game holy shit holy shit we'll take a quick break in addition to bringing fire on the mic the team at Four frequency sake is still bringing it online as well check out for fantasy qc.com this season for college dfs survivor league and betting advice each and every week of this football season. Again, that is for fantasy sake, QC.com for College DFS Survivor League and betting advice each week during the football season. Make sure you tune into For Frequency Sake on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch each Sunday during the football season, from 10 a.m. to 11:30 a.m. The boys from For Fantasy Sake will be bringing the fire, fantasy football takes, updating you on the week's rankings and injuries, and getting you ready for your fantasy football matchups each and every week. The show is interactive, so be sure to send your questions. You can find them at For Frequency Sake on Facebook at FFSQC on Twitter, or you can send them an email at sake QC at gmail.com Last note on Chicago before we move on to a couple other things. This is, as we said, this is an absolute gigantic step forward for this team and this organization. I mean, look at, listen, Ryan Poles and Ryan pulls deserves to take some heat and the scouting department deserves to take some heat for some of the decisions they've made the coaching staff deserve to take some heat for the some heat for the decisions they made in the first six weeks but here's some stuff that's a positive let's start with it they coming into tonight they bench Sam Mustafer for Lucas Patrick to Center and uh Schofield plays now, uh, at at left guard now we'll say that it sucks that Patrick got hurt. And Mustafa had to come back to center, but you didn't really have much up front tonight there. That was a problem. The biggest problem was Larry Borum, who really struggles against good edge rushers, and that's where next week when they play Dallas is going to be an issue. I don't know if next week is going to be the last week that Larry Borum is the starting tackle for the Bears before maybe they're just forced to go to – uh, they're, maybe they're just forced to go to Riley Reif. Uh Tevin Jenkins has been their best O-lineman this year, by far. He's been good. Braxton Jones, there's good moments and bad moments. Listen, for a fifth-round guy as a rookie to be a day-one starter at left tackle in the NFL, I mean, it could be way worse, but it also could be way better. Larry Borm has been an issue, and next week that could be a big issue. But – Listen, they 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 at least attempted take Mustafer out. Now can Leatherwood move to center and if he can he finally get out there? That would be huge for them just as another improvement up front. Um defense offensively, or excuse me, special teams, they take Vailus off punt return. Dante Pettis, I know he muffed one, but it was raining, so I'm gonna give him some slack. But they take they Dante Pettis, punt return, had a pretty good night. Punt returning. Didn't see much of A.L.S. Jones tonight. That's something I like. Listen, I've given all my fair share of shit to them about some of the draft decisions they made. And listen, tonight was a great night for Ryan Pulse to flex. Jaquan Brisker, first off. Jaquan Brisker, I said this last week. I will say it again tonight. He has been the best player for this team all year. You cannot convince me otherwise. Jaquan Brisker... Has been that guy. Ace pick. I wouldn't have taken Kyler Gordon. But I understood why they did. And I will say, he's improved. And he got a pick tonight, so good for him and his confidence. The fifth-round kid from Miami, Ohio, Dominique Robinson. He is awesome. He's really good, guys. Had a couple huge deflections. Was wreaking havoc in the backfield. Uh, One of his deflections led to an interception. Number ninety-one on that defensive front, man. That boy can go. Uh, so yeah, man. There were some stuff. There was some stuff tonight that you can praise the the Ryan Pohl selections. He's ab- he absolutely deserves to hate. Take heat for the Valus Jones pick. That was a terrible choice. But listen, other guys have proven they were pretty well scouted and hopefully you just got to do better to navigate through the rest of the year. Here's the last thing I will say about this team. This is an absolute step forward. Where do they land the rest of the year? I don't know. I still think six, seven wins is tops, maybe five. As long as they just continue to show improvement, that's all I care about for this team. Of course, they're undermanned compared to the field. Of course, they are you know, they don't have the talent that other teams do, but they got guys that can play. And I think tonight was the case of a lot of things coming together at once. And there is a good chance that this is the best they probably look this year. I That, again, is okay with me. But you can't revert back to some of the things that have you've really, really fell off on in the first six weeks. I love the implements of – I love the play calling – Please, that's been a plus the last couple weeks. Please, continue that. I love the use of both Montgomery and Herbert. They're doing a great job, I think, of balancing both of them out. And Khalil Herbert has been really good. I'm also wondering if David Montgomery is going to be shipped because some teams really want a running back. And I think we just saw – obviously, we saw McCaffrey go last week. We saw James Robinson get traded today to the Jets because Brees Hall got hurt. Um, Kareem Hunt's probably on his way out of Cleveland – I would be not shocked if David Montgomery lands somewhere, maybe Philadelphia, possibly. Uh, I don't know if the Chiefs would take him, but I definitely believe that Demo could be gone because I think the Bears also like the kid Tristan Ebner they drafted, and I think they would gladly run with Herbert Ebner this season and then maybe reevaluate more of the backfield as a whole. But I do think they believe Herbert – And I think he's shown that, that he is a running back one type of guy. Other than that, um, listen, this was, again, for all of the the last two games, the end of the game against the Vikings where they're driving and then Smith-Marset fucks him because he didn't get out of bounds and gets ripped, and then last week where the comedy of errors – and the ball dropped, and all that dumb shit last week. The last two games, they re- they could have won both. And it felt like they had two games kind of taken away from them just because of dumb luck. And tonight, they were finally able to put a game from start to finish together, and everything went right. And I think in that in that organization, in the front office, the coaching staff, the locker room, all around that building when they get back to Halas Hall tomorrow, I think the it's going to feel like a weight has been lifted off their shoulders and the monkey's going to be off the back. Not to where I think that they're going to just be this team that can rattle off wins, but I think that maybe they'll start playing more loose and free because they finally saw a game where they didn't have to just have a bunch of dumb stuff happen one way or the other. We talked about how this team hadn't looked like a professional football team and a high school team. Tonight again, a thousand steps in the right direction and for the first time in years, no steps back. Tonight they looked like an NFL team and they looked like a pretty damn good one for 60 minutes. Now you just build and the the cart is back on the track the path after tonight in the right direction in so many ways. Very very excited and very impressed all around by that performance from Chicago. We'll take a break and we'll have the Elite 8 for week 7 next is brought to you by clint's draft house pizza and grill in moline and davenport chase away your sunday scaries at clint's draft house pizza and grill this season located in the belgium neighborhood of 7th street and moline clint's draft house pizza and grill is home to some of the quad city's best food and drink specials on sunday there's no better place to be Clint's is serving up 75-cent wings and $4 Bloody Marys all day. And is your favorite team playing in those out-of-market games? Well, you'll never miss a second of the action on one of their 10 screens with NFL Sunday ticket. And after you've had your wing and bloody fix, finish off your football-watching experience with one of their famous Quad City-style pot pizzas. And folks, they know pizza. They've been spinning QC-style pies for the last 22 years. So make Clint's part of your Sunday football routine. Clint's Draft House Pizza and Grill, 7th Street, in Moline. And also, Clint is now serving up their famous pizza and fried chicken on the Iowa side of the river as well. Clint's Pizza House and Chicken opens up daily at 4 p.m. so everyone in the Quad Cities can enjoy their QC-style pizza and Henny Penny Fried Chicken. That's Clint Pete's House and Chicken, 7th Street Moline, and 1601 West 3rd Street in Davenport. All right, week seven, Elite Eight on deck. Let's get it started. Number eight, the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I've really been, (laughs) I know we've got some people that are wondering where the Vikings have been. I think I put them in last week, but here's where I'm a little off on Minnesota They've looked I, – I guess I can't say this because every team has looked suspe- suspect. They just look suspect in some games, man. It's very weird. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I want to think Minnesota's good. But maybe maybe I need to see them just kind of come out and lay it on someone again like they did week one, and then I'll be like, oh, yeah, we're back. Or like, we're really back with Minnesota. Um. Uh, they were off this week, so we didn't have that opportunity. I didn't want to disrespect them by leaving them out of the Elite Eight. So they stay. They hang tight at eight for now. I'm trying to find out who they got this week. Um, let's see. They play the Cardinals at home. All right, that's a good spot for them to get a impressive win against an Arizona team that I think is on the fringes of – Maybe being a little bit more interesting than not, because last week was their felt like they kind of put some stuff together last week against New Orleans on that Thursday night game. So big week for the Vikings this week, if because they are in the hunt with their schedule and their division to stay in the one seed race. The only issue is they're a game back of Miami, or excuse me, of Philadelphia, and Philadelphia has the tiebreaker on them. That is going to be the biggest struggle for them is is that, and we'll see if that is a, you know, how close Minnesota can get. Because I picked them to be the one seed at the beginning of the year, and I think they're going to be right there. I think they're going to win around 12 games. So they've started well. I believe that they can be something, but I don't know. I guess for me it's a weird thing if I just haven't seen it yet. So I'm a, I'm a little – I'm kind of just waiting for it. Num- at least for Minnesota, I haven't seen it in the totality since week one. Number seven, the New York Giants. All right, <laughs> I really didn't want to put him in here, but we are at the point where, god damn, it's hard to find eight teams. And it'd be tough for me to just be like, oh, the eight teams that I really like the most this week, when you get past, like, four, you know, that won a game. Like, you could have Seattle here, maybe, or the Jets. The Jets fell out, but, like, man, six and one, and all their wins have been by one possession, and it's been really, really interesting how things work for the Giants. They have officially become the super baby of last year's Raiders and Bengals, of this year as the 2022 Luck Box Champion of the World. They find ways, and that is a thing, but they do have some really weird shit go their way. Like, so the Jags are up 20 to 13, or 17 13. Second down inside the the Giants' 30. They run a reverse for Kirk. He clearly gets the first down. The spot's terrible. Doug Peterson doesn't challenge it. They go third and one. They don't get it. They go fourth and one. They don't get it. Instead of just taking the points to go up seven. And then the Giants take comeback, take the lead, win, yada, yada. Um, Just weird stuff like that happening for the Giants that has gone their way. And it's... (laughs) Good on him for doing so, but, man, it has been very weird. Like, the game in London, it's impressive to come back, but Aaron Rodgers is on the doorstep, and then he just has three straight passes where he throws the ball off of Giants' defenders' helmets three times in a row. Like, how on earth does that happen? The Lamar turnovers were just horrendous down at the end of the game. Like, that, just shit that doesn't happen. And the Giants have all that happen three straight weeks, I feel like this, they're a team that can ride this and at least make the playoffs, but I do think eventually this year they're going to have a holy shit, welcome to reality moment in the regular season. I don't know who that's going to be against. Um, not sure when. It could be this week against Seattle, but I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, the, the Giants, As I love the story. I think I want to say something nice about them. And, they, of course, Dayball's been great, and Saquon's amazing. I will say this, Daniel Jones... Maturing. Is he, a thir- is he a legitimate starting quarterback in the league? Don't think so. Probably won't ever think so. But he's maturing and making better decisions. He just doesn't have the talent. That's the thing. Like Especially when you look at guys like Fields and Lawrence. Like Compared just to them, he doesn't really have – he doesn't have high moments – and this year he is taking out the low moments, so it's just a steady plateau. But he doesn't have the he has the easily the lowest ceiling of a starter in the league. All right, number six. Let's cut the bullshit. The Miami Dolphins are back here. They should have never left here, and they're going to be here to stay. Listen, I know it was ugly, but look how many teams in the league are winning sixteen to ten, or nineteen to sixteen, or nineteen to seventeen, or or seventeen to fourteen. You know those types of games. It's a lot of them. I will gladly take an ugly win after your quarterback comes back m- after not playing for nearly a month. Absolute what the doctor ordered for the Dolphins. Fantastic way to win and hold on. And the defense was tested with guys out in the secondary and guys made plays. Javon Holland is an all-pro capable safety. Noah A. Was a he had been maligned, and he finally stepped up and made a play and Jalen Phillips up front has really come along as a real, uh, well-rounded player on the defensive side. At the beginning of the game, Tool was really dialed in. And on script, the stuff they do, the, the quickness with the RPOs and attacking the middle of the field, the Steelers took away the, that, and then the Dolphins didn't really have a counter punch, which is a little weird, but we'll chalk it up to first game back in a while. You, They found a way to win, and in situations like that sometimes, listen, as a Dolphins fan, I have seen them lose that game my entire life. They found a way to win. I don't give a shit about how ugly it was, because check the fucking record books this season. A lot of teams have been winning ugly, so don't give me that shit, because I know somebody will. Dolphins at six. They are one of the elite teams in the league. Number five, the Cincinnati Bengals. Boy, oh boy. Do, does it feel like this team is back? Now, could it be that they are beating up on two pretty mediocre to bad teams in a, ba- in a bad division? Could be the case, but ever since they started 0-2, they have made strides. They lose that game in Baltimore in a weird game. They had a shot and made a couple mistakes, but the one thing that's impressive, they are starting to hit big plays. They're starting to finally take the top off with some with some big-time chunks. Burrow's been locked in. Jamar Chase has been rolling. It that last touchdown they got two weeks ago against New Orleans, where Chase took a 10 yard route and took it 70 yards to the house. That could be the play that rejuvenates the Bengals to the oh shit. This is that dangerous team that was that that, that from last year. Listen, I know we've talked about their variation from last or their variants from last year coming down with how they won some late game, games games. Um, won games at the buzzer and close games and whatnot, of course that's going to – that will all even itself out. We know this. But I'm impressed with how they have handled themselves the last couple weeks and doing what they did on Sunday against a Falcons team that had not allowed anybody to really push them around like that for an entirety of a game, very impressive win from the Cincinnati Bengals. We have the top four teams in the league next. This episode is brought to you by the Corner Tap. Who doesn't need a solid handcuff on their fantasy squad? Grab a bite to eat at Clint's Draft House while watching the noon games and then head on over across the Moline-Rock Island border to the Corner Tap for some libations during the 3 o'clock games. Every Sunday is fun day at the Corner Tap with $3 Tallboys, Bloody Marys, jack daniels and two dollar pbr drafts head into the corner tap 4018 14th avenue rock island and get into the end zone today's episode is brought to you by cavanaugh's hilltop bar in rock island it's the place to be every sunday this football season barbecue chris will be in the house every week smoking the place up with his amazing menu or mouth-watering barbecues Cavies will have every game on inside and outside their numerous TV screens. Plus, you can play their adult video games, and they have the loosest slots around. Check out Cavanaugh's Hilltop Bar, 1228 30th Street in Rock Island. All right, top four in the Elite Eight. Here we go. So, number four is the Dallas Cowboys. Now, it's funny that... I mean, what, a month ago, not even, uh, seven weeks ago at this point, that we, I mean, the fact that they have gone from where we thought they would be to now is at fourth, almost perennially, now, um, I think I checked earlier, I had them sixth and then seventh and whatnot, but... The fact that they are here, crazy how this thing can turn around fast, right? We thought this team was dead to rights, and now I believe them to be the second-best team in the NFC from what I have seen, and clearly uh, a top-four team in the league. Um, Dak in his first game after the injury. I will say I thought there was some good stuff. Here's what the offense... um, Here's where the offense has to evolve, and it did a little bit in on Sunday. Weirdly enough, with Cooper Rush, they did things, obviously you're going to do things different with the backup, but they did stuff They were more unpredictable, because, I don't know why, they wanted to make things easier for Cooper Rush by being more unpredictable. It's almost like last year, and this happened at the end of last season, even though they were the best offense in the league by a lot of metrics, and Dak had a really good year, they had... They were very predictable, especially towards the end of last season when things kind of stalled for them, and then, of course, in the playoff game where they just looked really bad, and they got pushed around. They are more unpredictable now. They have the ability to, and they were, with that, they were that with Cooper Rush, and I think it benefited them greatly. Now, if they can add that spectrum to their game continuously throughout the remainder of the year, that's where they can take this next leap. A couple additions maybe for Dallas on the offensive end. I'd probably, I would like to see them maybe go out. I don't know what the wide receiver market is going to be, but if there's someone to go get, by all means, I think it'd be nice to try to add a piece there. Uh, just for depth what reasons. Um, I, they clearly miss a guy like Amari. They really do. Uh, Lamb is good, but I think him is the number one. I feel like we were all maybe a little bit overzealous on that. Philly Brown has had a really good year, all things considered, but they don't really have, they don't, they aren't, they don't have another guy in that wide receiver core. Um, Here is the thing that I really love about the Cowboys compared to last year. When even last year I was high on them, and then I told myself, I tried to tell myself to not trust them with how they ended last season, but. The thing that I like so much about them now compared to last year is they're physical. They're tough. They're tough as shit. And it's crazy to say that considering their offensive line is much worse, but it has played well. And, you know, just from that last year to now, you can just tell they're much more physical. Their defensive front, their defense is much better. They, they, They are the hammer, not the nail, as the old saying goes. And that has been very impressive. They were able to hold off a feisty Lions team who, you know, was right. I mean, they were going in to score. And I did a rant earlier about coaches fucking up, but we lost the audio because my computer's been acting like shit for late recently, and I don't know why. I might break it. I'm either going to break the computer or have a mental breakdown. So who knows, LOL, just a little tidbit. But did a funny joke about coaches being stupid because of short yardage, and the Cowboys did it last week. And Dan Campbell might have cost the Lions the game because they were about to go up 13-10. to 10, But instead of waiting and challenging the play, they hurried up and ended up turning the ball over from there. The game went to shit. But regardless, impressive job by the Cowboys. Number three, the Philadelphia Eagles. My thing is, listen, people are going to be like, oh, well, why the Eagles appear, blah, blah, blah. Listen, man, said it once, I'll say it a thousand times. I will say it until I am blue in the face. Until I'm red in the face, until I have no pulse. As of now, until I see different, they are clearly the best of the rest. Listen, they're good enough I've probably even to be in a tier of their own. But they're not good enough to be on the same tier as the two teams ahead of them. This is not standings. I will tell you that until again, my eyes bleed, my ears bleed, I bleed, everything bleeds. Till I die. This is not standings. This is rankings. This is how I feel each team stacks up to a degree, okay? And it's my list at the end of the day. I'm not putting the Eagles ahead of those other two teams. And, it, hey, listen, here's the thing. I, there's something that might happen that I could put them ahead of them next week. But as of now, I'm not, all right? Especially especially after what we saw team number two do, which we'll get to in a second. But, listen, there are a lot of positives about the Eagles, of course. they I think they're going to be locked to be the one seed. At this rate, I believe that the it, it, it they're also with that though, there's gonna be this little hesitancy to think Alright, even though like even though they might be fifteen and two in the one seed in the NFC, are we really gonna be sitting here beating the drum like gung ho like yeah, you know, we believe they're gonna be a Super Bowl contender and whatnot? Cause I don't know. I don't think so, but we're going to find out, aren't we? We're certainly going to find out. That's for sure. Uh, so, yeah, that's my, that's, my, that's my take on that. Number two, the Kansas City Chiefs. All right. Let's rein it in. I got a question for everybody. Here we go. When is it acceptable? to acknowledge Patrick Mahomes as the guy who's going to be the greatest player of all time in the National Football League. When's that acceptable? The numbers show it. The stats show it. Logic shows it. Listen, (laughs) he's got the most wins, most yards, most touchdowns through 70 games of anybody ever. I think wins, he's past Marino or something like that. Out of minimum qualified guys, he's number one in one percentage. Alone, just alone, of games he's trailed double digits in, he is the third highest winning percentage ever. Third in just games he's double digits trailed in. He has a better winning percentage in games he is trailed by double digits in than guys like Herbert. Burrow, Hurts, guys we all love. Combined, total! That's just a dumb stat. So I ask you again, when are we going to find it acceptable? When will it be acceptable to acknowledge that Patrick Mahomes is the greatest player in the history of the NFL? Just food for thought. Just... Throwing that old nugget out there for you. And number one, as I say all that nice stuff about Pat Mahomes, is the Buffalo Bills. Listen, Bills at the end of the day beat the Chiefs, so they have to be one. They just have to be. Again, I don't make the rules, which I, yeah, I knew it's my show, but I just stay facts. So, look, man, if the Bills and the Chiefs played 100 times, it'd probably be 50-50. to 50. That's what I think. Or 51-49, wuda I think the Chiefs would probably be six points, five and a half point favorites on the neutral side against Philly. I think the Bills would be close to eight, eight and a half. I think clearly the Chiefs and the Bills are in a tier above everybody else. I think it's even acceptable, as I've stated, to put the Eagles in their own tier before you rank the rest of the league. I just think the Chiefs and the Bills are great. And I wish their fan bases would like each other more. That's all I'm going to say about that. So, in closure, the Elite Eight. Eight uh, coming in at 8 is Minnesota, 7th the Giants, 6th the Dolphins, 5th the Bengals, Cowboys at 4, Eagles 3rd, Chiefs 2, Bills at 1, pray to fucking God it works this time, and that is the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so I hope you got etc. We'll be back to wrap up next. For fantasy's sake, has teamed up with Route 96 Boutique to raise a little more cash for Toys for Tots this season. From September 11th until the end of November, 10% off of all purchases made with Route 96 on Sundays will be donated to us for our Toys for Tots drive. At Route 96, they believe in girl power. They want a place that people of all shapes and sizes can shop and feel empowered and beautiful. They want you to be the best you possible, and they are committed to bringing you different styles while also providing some basics to express the true you. You can find them on Facebook and at Route96Boutique.com. Again, that's Route96Boutique.com.